The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. Yeah. So today we're going to be doing Chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest. A place I've always wanted to go to. The forest? I thought that was a joke. We can't go in there. Students aren't allowed. And there are werewolves. Oh, there's more than werewolves in those trees, lad. You can be sure of that. This chapter starts out with Harry and Hermione being led by Filch to Professor McGonagall's office. A pity they let the old punishments die. Was it time detention would find you hanging by your thumbs in the dungeons? God, I'll miss the screaming. You'll be serving detention with Hagrid tonight. He's got a little job to do inside the dark forest. As the first sentence that starts out the chapter states, things couldn't have been worse. What is the psychology of guilt, specifically with the regards of getting caught and doing something bad or against the rules like Harry and Hermione did? Well, guilt can help us learn about which actions are helpful and which actions are not helpful. Guilt allows us to learn how to engage within society so that we're not punished, so that we're not cast out. It can actually be really helpful in a lot of ways. There's a difference between being punished and then also feeling guilty. I think in this case, the punishment itself being sent to the Forbidden Forest and getting caught is not necessarily something that Harry and Hermione feel guilty about, but I think they probably feel guilty about the fact that Neville has been caught as well and he was an unwilling participant here. So I think the guilt that Harry and Hermione are experiencing primarily has to do with the fact that their friend and their fellow Gryffindor, Neville, who was innocent in this whole situation, is also getting punished without wanting to have been in that situation in the first place. Yeah, when they reach McGonagall's office, they see that McGonagall is escorting Neville to her office with her. Neville immediately tells Harry that he was trying to find him and warn him that Malfoy was going to get him in trouble about Norbert. It seems that Neville appreciates how Harry treated him and wanted to help Harry regardless of the consequences as well. Neville's true Gryffindor finally surfaces. He braved the dark and the possibility of getting into trouble to help a friend. What are your thoughts about Neville in this situation? 
Well, it's really interesting because the books do a really good job of demonstrating Neville's true courage, right? The reason why Neville was sorted in Gryffindor. I think we see less of that in the movies, but in the books, we really see how often Neville actually stands up for his friends and stands up to his friends in terms of trying to warn them and in terms of trying to help them and support them. I think that Harry's words in the previous chapter really allowed Neville to find the courage that he needed to feel better about himself and also to stand up to Malfoy and then also to find the courage he needed to help Harry. I think that we're seeing that his strength, that Neville's courage comes from his sense of empathy, from his commitment to his friends. And it seems like even when he's afraid, the sense of friendship, the idea that he wants to help the people that he cares about wins out. And that is the definition of true courage, that we are going to show up and do the right thing even when we're afraid. That is the definition of courage, and that's what being a Gryffindor is all about. And it seems like being a Gryffindor also involves being very supportive of your friends because Harry sticks up for Neville, and then vice versa, Neville sticks up for Harry and Hermione. And I love the Gryffindor little community. (laughs) Well, being a Slytherin, I would like to say that the idea of friendship is not exclusive to Gryffindor. I think that we are definitely seeing some examples of the kind of stereotypical Gryffindor courage here. I would like to think that the representation of such close-knit friendships can be found in every house. I'm sure they can. Even Crab and Goyle will stick up for Malfoy in some way, shape, or another. So all the kids receive detention and have to enter the Forbidden Forest with Hagrid. When they first enter the forest, they find the silver unicorn blood. Hagrid, what is that? What we're here for. See that? That's unicorn blood, that is. I found one dead a few weeks ago. Now, this one's been hurt bad by something. So, it's our job go and find the poor beast. Ron, Hermione, you'll come with me. Okay. And Harry, you'll go with Malfoy. Okay, then I get Fang. Fine. Just so you know, he's a bloody coward. Unicorns are so innocent and they radiate such a natural purity. In medieval Europe, actually, the unicorn was often a symbol of pure and selfless womanhood. So much like Harry's mother, death in this case brings life in another. It is a terrible crime to slay a unicorn. Drinking the blood of a unicorn will keep you alive even if you are an inch from death, but at a terrible price. You have slain something so pure that from the moment the blood touches your lips, you will have a half-life, a cursed life. What does this suggest about the power of innocence and love? Well, I think that this idea that love is the tonic for all wounds, this is an idea that's been around for thousands of years. At its core, most folklore is about love. And at its core, I think most religion is about love when we actually look at it closely. And what we're learning from the Harry Potter series is that love is the most powerful source of magic. It's something that saved Harry's life, something that 
Voldemort didn't count on. And we're now seeing this other representation, you know, as you said, that this idea of innocence in unicorns representing life as well. I think we're really seeing this representation of perhaps femininity and womanhood as a source for good, as a healing power. It's also really heartbreaking when that representation for femininity is then ravaged and assaulted and attacked in the way that we see it being attacked here. It's so sad. I hate seeing little innocent things being hurt and injured, especially in a brutal way like that. So after the unicorn situation, the group runs into some centaurs. These centaurs seem to have a very deep connection with the stars and astronomy. As Hagrid asks them if they've seen anything suspicious, all they do is cryptically answer that Mars is unusually bright tonight. And Hagrid just calls them stargazers. He says that they're not interested in anything closer than the moon. There's obviously some sort of tension and there's obviously some sort of knowledge that these centers have and it's frustrating to Hagrid. What do you think's going on here? To me, reading this passage, I saw a representation of different cultures. The centaurs have a way of understanding the world by looking at astrology, by looking at the stars, by interpreting the position of the planets and the moon. And Hagrid has, you know, different methods. He, he relies more on kind of real world experiences. I think that we're seeing that information can be gathered in different ways, that Perhaps neither the centaurs nor Hagrid were wrong about what was going on. They just have a different way of interpreting these events, a different way of making sense of things. But it seems like the centaurs were really onto something. As we see from centaurs warning Harry, they were very well aware of what's going on at Hogwarts and what's going on with Voldemort. I think just their way of understanding information is different. And to me, the way I read it is seeing different perspectives where people might not be tolerant of each other's differences and might get frustrated with one another for the way that they, you know, maybe utilize information. But actually, both of them arrived at the same conclusion. Yeah, it's just interesting that they have this knowledge or they have this perceived knowledge and they're not going to share it. Even something as innocent as a unicorn being injured in their own forest. Harry and Malfoy are the ones who end up finding the dead unicorn. And when they find him, they also find this hooded character who's drinking the blood. After Malfoy screams and runs away, Harry stands his ground, albeit out of terror because he's frozen in place and he's saved by a nether centaur. Friends. Friends hints that the hooded figure is Voldemort clinging to life. But who would choose such a life? Can you think of no one? Do you mean to say that thing that killed the unicorn, that was drinking its blood, that was Voldemort? Do you know what is hidden in the school at this very moment, Mr. Potter? The Philosopher's Stone. Ferenz also says that the stars sometimes get things wrong. Why do you think Ferenz jumped in to help here, even though the centaurs are not supposed to get involved? Well, first of all, I think with Harry, we're seeing a representation of what's called fight, flight, or freeze response. So a lot of people are familiar with the fight or flight response, where in a situation of great danger or terror, we're likely to try to run away or fight for our life. And in that 
moment we might be flooded with adrenaline and a lot of people of course (laughs) and a lot of people might not realize that there's also a third response that our body does and it's called the freeze response and that's exactly what harry goes through all of these responses the fight flight or freeze response all of these are in a way uncontrolled meaning that our body will naturally produce this response to try to keep us safe because sometimes the safest thing to do is actually to be frozen in place so that we might be less noticeable to maybe some kind of an animal like a bear for example and so in harry's case he's overwhelmed by terror and as a result is frozen in place and then Ferenz shows up. And to me, it seems like Ferenz represents this balance between the culture of the centaurs and the culture of the humans. And he's trying to essentially do what he believes to be morally and ethically correct. Kind of like Neville, Hermione, and everybody doing what's right just for the sake of being right. Exactly. And what I thought was really impressive about Friends is that he is the only centaur that we see here in this chapter who's not one to be corrupted by what's expected of their particular culture, right, or their particular group. So we see that in in a lot of groups where there's an expectation of you support your group and your group's views and your group's laws and you don't necessarily support the other group. I like that one situation where Bane, I believe it was Bane, Harry's riding on Friends' back and he says, man, don't you have any shame letting a human ride you? (laughs) Right, right. And I think in this situation, Friends realizes that helping Harry is the most ethical and moral thing to do he puts his pride aside and he supports this boy that he wants to save and protect and so i think that forens represents the ultimate balance between this in-group and out-group phenomenon that we've been talking about on several episodes here and rather than following the laws of his people of other centaurs he chooses his own path and his own way to do what's right in his heart i love it i love the correlation too with neville and harry and hermione and friends that's wonderful so i actually had a really interesting time with this chapter because Voldemort's back right and we know that for sure because friends tells harry spoilers (laughs) so i went and actually looked for the meaning behind the name voldemort and i found a very interesting source in french voldemort means theft of death how cool is that that's amazing that's cool i think jk rowling knew what she was doing of course one that steals death yeah she never ceases to amaze me but i think that is so cool he's a thief of death he will keep on escaping death in some way or shape or another yeah and stealing lives really yeah very cool all the way around i just thought that was a very interesting fact hats off to jk rowling no doubt And we also have a special announcement for you guys. So as we mentioned in our previous episodes, select listeners who comment on our podcast will be selected to receive certain giveaways and gifts. So Darcy, if you're listening, feel free to contact us. You can contact us by email, superherotherapy at gmail.com to claim your prize of a signed Harry Potter therapy book and a stuffed Hera plushie that will be mailed to you free of charge as a giveaway present for listening to our podcast. So thank you so much, Darcy. 
Thank you, Darcy. Feel free to email us, superherotherapy at gmail.com, and we will send you those goodies. So this is a perfect time for us to end this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Stay magical out there, everybody. <laughs>